Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Credit Conversations with Savaskia. You can gain more information at my website, savaskia.com. Many people are still trying to leverage their buying power on credit. Every week, we're focusing on credit conversations that give you inspiration, education, and restoration. You need to know that credit is much more than your score. It connects and evolves around your financial literacy and education. So learning the tools of budgeting, debt, net worth, payoff, money management are so important to building your wealth and more. As the owner with Exusia Financial, we have solutions in credit and business coaching and financial wellness for individuals and families. We are here to help you to gain more awareness and giving you practical application that can change your trajectory of your life. So welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time, stay tuned for some very important information. For those who are becoming credit champions, I am so glad that you are back. For our first-time listeners, thank you for joining in today so that we may get to know you and find out more about you. Just to let you know uh, during the broadcast, uh, if you have questions that you would like answered, you can email those questions to me at SYVOSKIA27 at gmail.com, and then I will be able to answer those for you, and we can share those on the show. And so I'm really excited about today. I'm excited as well uh, that my book is now uh, available online at uh, Amazon.com. Yes, Credit Champions, we are ready. I'll share more of that at the end of the broadcast. Listen, we are back. I normally start off this broadcast uh, for our first-time listeners with a word of the day. The word of this day and for this week is accountability. You know, being accountable is challenging. Uh, so do not let yourself feel discouraged if you need some improvement. Know that you are not alone. Everyone needs to spend some time focusing on accountability. Wouldn't you agree? As our lives are continuously changing and as we steadily grow as individuals, you know, to help understand what it means to be accountable. And keep in mind, I think these three aspects of being accountable. Number one, being accountable is just really being responsible, right? Having an obligation to do something or having to control over our care for someone, right? And then, you know, we all have to do it, you know, uh, answerable, you know, being required to explain or justifies one's action. And then family, trustworthy, trustworthy, able to be relied upon as an awesome, honest, and truthful person, right? We all go there sometime. Now, you know, I have been in a lot of conversations uh, dealing with relationships, especially uh, since we've, uh, what, 10 days, uh, 12 days, 14 days. How many days has it been since Valentine's Day? Uh, relationship. So I thought uh, that I would impair and impart some information on the podcast today. So how about speaking from a subject title, um, Credit and Divorce? How about that? So we're talking about how credit and divorce is impacted. Yes, it does happen. I hate to see it happen. But 
I want you to know changing your marital status, it doesn't exactly impact your credit, but yes, the changes to your personal finances that often come with divorce can absolutely have an impact. So if you know someone or if you've been there yourself during and after a divorce, your credit may be affected because of your household income is affected, your normal bill paying is disrupted, your finances and debt, it just may be unclear to you. So how about taking some proactive steps early on to keep your credit on track and set a course for financial independence and moving forward? So I was doing some research and I had been on Experian. You know, how will getting divorced affect your credit? Uh, Your credit report, you know, it's not going to show your marital status. So there's not going to be anything on your credit profile that says that you were divorced or anywhere in your credit history, believe me. It's also not a factor that affects your credit score, but that doesn't mean a divorce cannot impact your credit indirectly. For example, it causes you to fall behind on your debt payments. The first thing to know is that divorce doesn't automatically split up the credit you and your former spouse established together. That's right, people. It's true. Even if your debts, right? Even the responsibility for paying are assigned part of your divorce degree. You know how it is for those who went through a divorce. You make a decision. Who's responsible for what liabilities? That's right. That's right. I know, I know your mind is going through it right now. That also means account information, including negative items such as light payments, high credit utilization, can be reported to the credit bureau. Yes, it can. And added to your credit report if you are still associated with that account. So if your ex agrees to make payments, right, your your ex, Your ex agrees to make payments on the loan, right? And you're associated with that account, right? Guess what happens? You want to know what happens? If if there's late or missed payments, that can show up on your credit report as well as theirs. And if they default, you are going to be jointly responsible for that Debt. Absolutely. So how do you manage debt in the midst of a divorce? My goodness. I hope this is helping you today. Even though divorce itself isn't relevant to your credit status, the way you resolve and manage your joint debt and credit accounts can make a difference. Your good credit can survive a divorce for the sake of your financial an emotional, right, state of mind. It helps you to take steps to manage and protect your credit. So one of the first things you want to do is you want to create a plan as soon as possible, even before you separate, even before you've signed that final document. If you can, try to work together to take stock of your joint credit accounts loans, and other bills, and decide who will take charge of paying each one of them, right? If it's a savings account, figure out a way to divide your assets, possibly determining how much each person contributed to the account. Close or separate your accounts. That will simplify. I like to use the KISS principle Just keep it simple. Keep it simple. Pay off and close joint accounts wherever you can. And so if that's not feasible, talk to your lender or your credit card issuer about converting to an individual account. And so by removing your ex-spouse as an account holder 
or in many cases, an authorized user. You also want to remove your name from any open accounts your ex plans to continue using. I know this is some hard stuff, but I tell you, this is some true stuff because you have to be responsible until your accounts are fully separated and your ex have the potential. They can run up your joint debt. I've seen it happen. You can both damage each other's credit. And so your divorce process will go far smoothly and your good credit has a much better shot at staying intact if you act responsibly now. So while you're sorting through all these things I'm sharing now, you know, it's real people. It's real. Uh, Make at least your minimum payments on time and don't rack up any debt that you don't uh, you know, you don't play, plan to repay it yourself, right? So don't, don't, don't charge it up, right? So monitoring your credit is a good practice during this time. Not only will it help you check the status of your accounts, but it will help you to understand what accounts have been opened, what what accounts needs to be uh, closed, right? It allows you to see any type of mispayments or any other negative items that is possibly on your credit. And it's also going to help you to track any inquiries or new accounts that have been added to your credit profile. Because you have to remember, you have separate credit histories, right? And so I want you to know that uh, you can get this all fixed, right? So please be taking copious notes uh, on how you can manage debt in a divorce, how you can even survive uh, your credit in a divorce, and, and how you can remove a mortgage after divorce. Okay, if both you and your ex are named on your mortgage, Credit bureaus cannot remove the account from your credit report. You are still liable for the loan. Even, listen, even if your divorce decree assigns responsibility for payment to your ex. I know this to be true. I'm working with a client right now that has that mortgage sitting on her credit profile. So continue continue to hold a mortgage with your far, former spouse. It's just really not ideal, right? The loan will continue to show up on your credit report as well as theirs. And it can restrict either party ability to get a, a new home or a loan in the future. So as an example, if your ex makes late payments or worse, Defaults, your credit will be damaged as well. So having a joint mortgage is an ongoing responsibility. So you may prefer not to share or or make things more difficult going forward. So, but it isn't always simple to remove one spouse or the other from a mortgage. If you qualified for the loan together, your lender probably won't be willing to simply remove one party from the loan. Instead, you may have to refinance. That's one option. Sell your home. That's the second option. Or pay off the loan in order to make a clean break. So, you know, how to rebuild and establish your credit independently, right? If you establish credit before you got married and maintained a solid credit history, then your score throughout your marriage, you may emerge with a good credit intact. But what if your credit was tied to your spouse, my, uh, your income, your assets? You know, you've got to rebuild. You've got to reestablish. Your credit can be a, a key challenge to, to after your do- divorce. So one of the things I recommend is that you start small and build. Improving your credit score takes time. You may have to start with a small credit limit or even a secure credit card. 
So you want to make sure you use your card for a few purchases. And remember, always pay your bills on time. So I say give yourself about six months. You should be able to approve uh, through maybe you have to get an unsecured card and, and maybe not. But you want to make sure that you're managing your card responsibly and trying it another uh, six months. Uh, if you don't have any credit, you might consider getting a co-signer uh, that can help you, maybe a family member. Uh, and as your credit improves, you know, you can refinance your own. Yes, nothing like having your own, right? And you can maintain a positive payment history. You know, your payment history is the single biggest difference factor in determining your credit score. You know, FICO tells us it accounts for 35% of your FICO score. And so even one late payment can set you back. So make sure that you are moving forward and taking advantage of all these wonderful things. So I want to say, you know, close all joint accounts to protect your credit during or after. Uh, if you have already made the decision to leave, you know, make sure you begin to separate those monies like right now. You know, uh, number two, obtain credit in your own name. It's so important. I've seen uh, this often in relationships, even in my own in the past where, you know, a spouse purchased a car for the other spouse. And now we know that that becomes marital property, but the other spouse was unable to finance the vehicle, vehicle because it was in another spouse's name. And so you need to really think seriously about building your credit so that you can be stable. Uh, also understand uh, that you have the responsibility uh, to make this happen. No one can do what you can do for yourself. And, you know, it does sadden me that to see couples, um, let alone deal with a divorce, but then have to walk away uh, with no network and no assets. Yes. So, you know, you want to make sure you open up your own checking account. Uh, I've seen many people not have that, but you want to start uh, reestablishing your own credit and your account as soon as possible. And remember, when you get that credit card, make sure you get that credit card in your own name. And if you have some online accounts, you may want to go now and start changing your password on those online accounts and make sure uh, that your information is being updated. You know, this is so important because many couples have unfortunately ruined the other partner. And I certainly uh, would like for you to make preparation for that and not, you know, be seen in, in a situation as it is today. So remember, your credit report doesn't show your marital status. So a divorce won't appear anywhere in your credit history. It's also not a factor that affects your credit score, but that doesn't mean a divorce can't impact your credit directly uh, if someone falls behind in payments. So just let me break that down. If you're married right now and you and your spouse have a house together, I can't impress on you any more than financing a mortgage is in your name. Next, you got divorced, you did a quick claim, you signed a release paper, but the mortgage company does not care about the divorce. They care about the, re the originality of the mortgage and whose name it is. So you want to watch now, you know, unless you pay out the spouse, you refinance it, or you sell the house, it is going to impact your credit directly. So you want to get in a position, and it is a reposition. So now that you can focus on building your network and rebuilding your wealth measures your wealth by subtracting your liabilities from your assets, right? And so I want you to develop a mindset, reducing your liabilities, because you want to continue to build your net worth. Listen, my book is out now today, uh, Credit Champion. You can go to Amazon.com.
com. We want to help you to leverage. Yes, we want you to get your buying power back. And family, you know what we really want to do? We want to change your mentality from surviving to thriving. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Credit Conversations with Savaskia. You can gain more information at my website, savaskia.com, S-Y-V-O-S-K-I-A.com. You know, many people are still trying to leverage their buying power on credit every week. We're focusing on credit conversations that give you inspiration, education, and restoration. You need to know that credit is much more than your score. It connects and evolves around your financial literacy and education. Learning the tools of budgeting, debt, net worth, money management, building and understanding your net worth, wealth, and more. As the owner of Exusia Financial, we have those solutions for you, whether it be your credit, a whole financial protection plan, financial wellness, for individuals, families, and corporate. We are here to help you to gain more awareness and giving you practical applications that can change your trajectory, your trajectory of your life. Isn't that amazing? I'm so excited because, you know, I love doing what I do. I mean, I truly do. So welcome to the podcast again. If this is your first time, stay tuned for some very important information. For those who are becoming credit champions, hey, I am so glad that you're back. Listen, stay tuned. Watch out for my upcoming virtual online book release on March the 13th from noon until 2 p.m. Be sure to purchase your book. Go out to Amazon.com. Listen, order the book so I can get to the top seller list. Credit Champion, a practical guide to leveraging your wealth and increasing your purchasing power. For our first-time listeners, I like to start off by saying uh, we typically start this podcast off by sharing a word of the day or the word of the week, and that word is power, the ability to act on something with a direct change. I want you to know with a made-up mind, you can take your power and make a change. This week's podcast, we're going to talk about a question that came in this week for the podcast. And I thought, hey, why not? Let me address it. Many people are uh, looking uh, for direction. So the question that came to me uh, with one of my uh, recent clients, she asked uh, me, uh, Lisa said, should I rent or purchase a home? And I thought, well, you know, that's a really, really good question. Uh, should I? Should I rent or purchase a home? And so I thought about it for a moment. I thought, well, you know, I think that'll be a good segue this week to talk about uh, renting, home ownership, uh, the impact, what this does. Uh, for your credit. And, you know, the decision is really up to you. You know, what does it take for me to get ready if I do decide that I am a renter and I want to be a homeowner? Uh, How does it impact my credit uh, as it returns to me being a renter right now? 
you know, am I a homeowner and, and am I really getting the best interest rate that I should be getting? Do I need to uh, work on my credit as a homeowner and get a lower interest rate? And so either way, I think you'll get something from this, whether you are a renter wanting to become a homeowner or whether you're a homeowner right now and you are paying a high interest rate. So I want to talk about 10 advantages of renting or you can look at 10 advantages of why you should remain a homeowner. So some key takeaways is both renting and buying have their financial advantages. And owning a home isn't right for everyone. As an example, we have those who are in military, which often causes them to relocate, right? And so they don't want to just land and purchase a home everywhere they're going from city to city. And so many times it makes sense to just rent uh, until they're actually settled down. Uh you think about those who are going off to college, those who uh, have been sent to another city on a work assignment. Does it really make sense to purchase a home, right? Uh, may make more sense to just rent a home. And so, you know, we know that unlike homeowners, renters have no maintenance costs. Yay. Hey, for the renters, you have no, you don't have any maintenance costs, right? You don't have to repair plumbing, all of those wonderful things. You don't have to pay property taxes, right? In some cases, local taxes. You know, because renting uh, usually requires some type of security deposit, right? Uh, We also know that renting, uh, that you have to have a decent credit profile. So very important to know that even if you're renting or even if you're purchasing home, both of those are directly uh, related to uh, your credit. And think about it, your mortgage payment or your rental payment is the highest bill most likely that you are paying. Wouldn't you agree? And we know that with renting, uh, you have the security deposit, but as a home buyer, you also have a, a sizable down payment. So it just makes sense that you would really begin to look at uh, should I rent or purchase a home and what impact would my credit serve on that? I do want to say too to renters that we have a phenomenal partnership to provide you with an additional trade line should you be a renter who is desiring home ownership. We can help you have uh, your rent uh, credited to uh, your credit profile uh, through Equifax and through uh, TransUnion. Yes, TransUnion. And so that is really phenomenally helping renters Hope that can help you make a decision there on should you purchase a home because maybe you're thinking, I don't have good enough credit. Nobody's going to let me purchase a home. But yes, we can help you. We can help you get that reported. You just want to follow back with me. Uh, Ten reasons, you know, why renting could be better. Could be better. We've already talked about, you know, you don't have to deal with the maintenance costs less than somebody said, oh, Hello to the renters, nothing wrong with it. You don't have to uh, worry about uh, repairs. If if your refrigerator goes out or the roof starts to leak, listen, you can call the landlord or I'll say you can call the landlady. How about that, the landlady? And then their responsibility is to uh, take care of this. But but on the other hand, listen, the homeowner, uh, we're responsible for all the home repairs. So shout out to the homeowners. Nothing wrong with being a homeowner, right? Uh, maintenance and renovation costs, all of that sometimes as a homeowner can get quite pricey. But another thing, number two, when you think about reasons why, you know, should I rent or purchase a home? Uh, renting, you know, the financial benefit of renting is having access to amenities. 
uh, these amenities that would otherwise be an enormous expense to a homeowner. What are some of those expenses? I'm talking about, you know, those luxuries you get with that in-ground pool or you get your fitness center, right? Uh, Especially if you're living in some of these more upscale apartments and complexes that are no additional charges to the tenants. But I realize too, it depends on what city that you live in, right? That these costs could be uh, quite different. I was talking uh, with Natalie, uh, who relocated from California uh, with her family and found out that as a renter, they were paying over $2,100 in a less than $1,000 square foot apartment. Really? $2,100 in California. I told her, you will have no problem purchasing a home here in my city. Yes. And so... You know, one of the things, renters, we don't have to worry about real estate taxes, right? That's one of the major benefits of renting versus owning, right? Real estate taxes can be uh, hefty depending on where you live and what part of uh, the country that you're living in, right? And then many times that can cost thousands of dollars. And then you have downsizing going on. I mean, you have seniors who've had these bigger houses and are literally not using half of the house. So, you know, in many cases, it makes sense that maybe they want to get into a retirement community uh, where they don't have to deal with the nuances of home ownership. Totally understand it. Uh, Number four, um, you know, no down payment. That's another area where renters have a better financial deal. Uh, you talking about the upfront costs. You're also uh, talking about your debt to income. Uh, whereas uh, being a homeowner, uh, you're definitely going to show the debt to income of your mortgage on your credit profile, right? And renters, uh, basically, you're dealing with the pay a security deposit. Uh, typically is uh, equal to one month's rent, depending on uh, the property management and where you are staying. But we know that when you're purchasing a home, uh, typically uh, it's going to be a sizable down payment. In some cases, it's going to be 20% of your property value. You know, but still the amount is needed, right? Uh, And it just depends. You know, they tell me in New York City, the average apartment rental in Manhattan Island of New York City, they said, is one of the most expensive places to live in the U.S. So we're talking about this, this past July, $4,800 for an expensive place to live in the U.S. Our average apartment rental in Manhattan Island in New York City, it blown my mind. Those who don't have money for a down payment are better off renting. So shout out to you, New York City. I can certainly understand why you made that choice. But even if you made that choice, remember that you want to work on your credit because credit is your asset. So number five, you know, having more flexibility as to where you need to live. You know, renters can live practically anywhere while homeowners, you know, we're restricted to where we can be. Um, but the flexibility to move around when you are a renter, uh, particularly if you've been relocated from another job and you don't know whether you're going to maintain and live in that city, but you go to that city uh, to complete your employment. So you have flexibility. Yes, you do. So let's go ahead and look at um, number six. So, you know, we talk about few concerns about decreasing property values. You know, property values go up and property values go down. So you want to think about that when you're in the housing market, when you uh, locate in a neighborhood, the impact of those values going up and down. And then number seven, you want to look at the flexibility Uh, to downsize. You know, renters have the option to downsize to a more affordable living space uh, in their lease. 
as opposed to even thinking of retirees who want a, a less costly, uh, as I said before, but smaller alternative that will match their budget, right? And that's what it's all about. It's about financial, being financial literate and not living beyond your means, but looking at both renting and home ownership. And you who have the power can make that decision. Uh, number eight, a fixed rent amount. Now, rent amounts are fixed for the span of the lease agreement. While landlords can raise the rent uh, many times without a notice, but you can budget more efficiently because you know the amount of rent you are required to, be- to pay. You are required to pay. So fixed rate mortgages, uh, they allow for efficient budgeting. But if you are in an ARM, what is an ARM? That is an adjustable rate mortgage. If you get into that, that can fluctuate. What that means, uh, that's often going to be resulting in rising mortgage payments due to higher interest rate and property taxes uh, can cost homeowners, uh, but they don't affect the renters. Uh, Number nine, listen, uh, lower insurance costs. You know, homeowners need to maintain homeowners insurance policy where the equivalent of a renter, what do you have? You have the renters insurance policy. And so we know that there are cheaper coverage depending on uh, where you live, depending on what's in your policy, you know, your valuables and your furniture. But we know that there is an average cost out there. You want to make sure that you shop wisely, right? Shop wisely when you're doing that. Number 10, you also want to look at your utility costs. Uh, All those homes can vary in size. They're typically larger than renter apartments. And so as a result, you got to look at you know, does it make sense to rent a buyer home? How's that going to impact my credit? Do I want a higher heating bill? Uh, can I serve, save, right? Save. Rental properties t- typically have a uh, compact and efficient floor plan. So it's more efficient, right? I remember I was talking to my my son the other day who had moved into an, another apartment. And he said he didn't want to be a homeowner right now. And so he he comes. He's like, Mom, my my utility bill was only twenty seven dollars. I said, Shut the heck up, twenty seven dollars. If you have a twenty seven dollar utility bill, you should just literally be falling out about right now. Okay, twenty seven dollars. So the bottom line, owning a home can be beneficial uh, for homeowners. You know, I love homeownership because it gives you an opportunity to build a legacy, right? And helping to build a legacy is helping us to build a wealth transfer, to build a generational wealth. So becoming a homeowner definitely is going to help you do that. You know, renters have nothing tangible to show uh, for the rental payments. But however, for those who are looking to avoid the hazard of a Home ownership, I understand the cost of upkeep, property taxes, renting. I get it. I totally get it. You know, but buying a home should be a long-term investment. If you might change jobs, you definitely uh, want to do that. So, you know, some below, I've mentioned to you some of the, the 10 advantages that I think that will help you when you're talking about should I rent or should I buy a home and how that ultimately is going to impact your credit. And I would just say that a home will appreciate the value over time, right? Uh, whereas renting is uh, is just simply what it is. You're a renter, right? It's okay. It's fine. Either way, right? So connect with me on how to report your rent as a trade line to help you get ready for home ownership. I would be so excited to help you do that. And I just want to remind you uh, that it's your choice. And whether you are a renter, whether you decide to become a homeowner, either way you go, it's going to be perfectly fine.
So let's get connected. Let's make it happen. And I always say uh, to the team, you know, sometimes we just got to get ready. Sometimes we got to get set. And sometimes we have to just say, let's go. So get ready, get set, and let's go. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Credit Conversations with Savaskia. You can gain more information at my website, savaskia.com. Many people are still trying to leverage their buying power on credit. Every week, we're focusing on credit conversations that give you inspiration, education, and restoration. You need to know that credit is much more than your score. It connects and evolves around your financial literacy and education. So learning the tools of budgeting, debt, net worth, payoff, money management are so important to building your wealth and more. As the owner with Exusia Financial, We have solutions in credit and business coaching and financial wellness for individuals and families. We are here to help you to gain more awareness and giving you practical application that can change your trajectory of your life. So welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time, stay tuned for some very important information. For those who are becoming credit champions, I am so glad that you are back. For our first-time listeners, thank you for joining in today so that we may get to know you and find out more about you. Just to let you know uh, during the broadcast, uh, if you have questions that you would like answered, you can email those questions to me at syvoskia27 at gmail.com, and then I will be able to answer those for you, and we can share those on the show. And so I'm really excited about today. I'm excited as well uh, that my book is now uh, available online at uh, Amazon.com. Yes, Credit Champions, we are ready. I'll share more of that at the end of the broadcast. Listen, we are back. I normally start off this broadcast uh, for our first-time listeners with a word of the day. The word of this day and for this week is accountability. You know, being accountable is challenging, uh, so do not let yourself feel discouraged if you need some improvement. Know that you are not alone. Everyone needs to spend some time focusing on accountability. Wouldn't you agree? As our lives are continuously changing and as we steadily grow as individuals, you know, to help understand what it means to be accountable. And keep in mind, I think these three aspects of being accountable. Number one, being accountable is just really being responsible, right? Having an obligation to do something or having to control over or care for someone, right? And then, you know, we all have to do it, you know, uh, answerable, you know, being required to explain or justifies one's action. And then family trustworthy, trustworthy, able to be relied upon as an awesome, honest, and truthful person, right? We all go there sometime. Now, you know, I have been in a lot of conversations uh, dealing with relationships, especially uh, since we've, uh, what, 10 days, uh, 12 days, 14 days. How many days has it been since Valentine's Day uh, relationship? So I thought 
that I would impair and impart some information on the podcast today. So how about speaking from a subject title, um, Credit and Divorce? How about that? So we're talking about how credit and divorce is impacted. Yes, it does happen. I hate to see it happen. But I want you to know, changing your marital status, it doesn't exactly impact your credit. But yes, the changes to your personal finances that often come with divorce can absolutely have an impact. So if you know someone or if you've been there yourself, during and after a divorce, your credit may be affected because of your household income is affected, your normal bill paying is disrupted, your finances and debt, it just may be unclear to you. So how about taking some proactive steps early on to keep your credit on track and set a course for financial independence and moving forward? So I was doing some research and I had been on Experian. You know, how will getting divorced affect your credit? Uh, your credit report, you know, it's not going to show your marital status. So there's not going to be anything on your credit profile that says that you were divorced or anywhere in your credit history. Believe me. It's also not a factor that affects your credit score, but that doesn't mean a Divorce cannot impact your credit indirectly. For example, it causes you to fall behind on your debt payments. The first thing to know is that divorce doesn't automatically split up the credit you and your former spouse established together. That's right, people. It's true. Even if your debts, right, even the responsibility for paying are assigned part of your divorce degree. You know how it is for those who went through a divorce. You make a decision. Who's responsible for what liabilities? That's right. That's right. I know, I know your mind is going through it right now. That also means account information, including negative items such as light payments, high credit utilization, can be reported to the credit bureau. Yes, it can. And add it to your credit report if you are still associated with that account. So if your ex agrees to make payments, right? Your your ex, your ex agrees to make payments on the loan, right? And you're associated with that account, right? Guess what happens? You want to know what happens? If that if there's late or missed payments, that can show up on your credit report as well as theirs. And if they default, you are going to be jointly responsible for that debt. Absolutely. So how do you manage debt in the midst of a divorce? My goodness, I hope this is helping you today. Even though divorce itself isn't relevant to your credit status, the way you resolve and manage your joint debt and credit counts can make a difference. Your good credit can survive a divorce for the sake of your financial and emotional right? State of mind. It helps you to take steps to manage and protect your credit. So one of the first things you want to do is you want to create a plan as soon as possible, even before you separate, even before you've signed that final document. If you can, try to work together to take stock of your joint credit accounts loans and other bills and decide who will take charge of paying each one of them, right? If it's a savings account, figure out a way to divide your assets, possibly determining how much each person contributed to the count. 
close or separate your accounts. That will simplify. I like to use the KISS principle. Just keep it simple. Keep it simple. Pay off and close joint accounts wherever you can. And so if that's not feasible, talk to your lender or your credit card issuer about converting to an individual account. And so by removing your ex-spouse as an account holder, or in many cases, an authorized user. You also want to remove your name from any open accounts your ex plans to continue using. I know this is some hard stuff, but I tell you, this is some true stuff because you have to be responsible. Until your accounts are fully separated and your ex have the potential, they can run up your joint debt. I've seen it happen. You can both damage each other's credit. And so your divorce process will go far smoothly and your good credit has a much better shot at staying intact if you act responsibly now. So while you're sorting through all these things I'm sharing now, you know, it's real people. It's real. Uh, Make at least your minimum payments on time and don't rack up any debt. That you don't, uh, you know, you don't plan plan to repay it yourself, right? So don't, don't, don't charge it up, right? So monitoring your credit is a good practice during this time. Not only will it help you check the status of your accounts, but it will help you to understand what accounts have been opened, what what accounts needs to be uh, closed, right? It allows you to see any type of mispayments or any other negative items that is possibly on your credit. And it's also going to help you to track any inquiries or new accounts that have been added to your credit profile. Because you have to remember, you have separate credit histories, right? And so I want you to know that uh, you can get this all fixed, right? So please be taking copious notes uh, on how you can manage debt in a divorce, how you can even survive uh, your credit in a divorce, and, and how you can remove a mortgage after divorce. Okay, if both you and your ex are named on your mortgage, Credit bureaus cannot remove the account from your credit report. You are still liable for the loan. Even, listen, even if your divorce decree assigns responsibility for payment to your ex. I know this to be true. I'm working with a client right now that has that mortgage sitting on her credit profile. So continue continue to hold a mortgage with your far, former spouse is just really not ideal, right? The loan will continue to show up on your credit report as well as theirs. And it can restrict either party ability to get a, a new home or a loan in the future. So as an example, if your ex makes late payments or worse, defaults your credit will be damaged as well. So having a joint mortgage is an ongoing responsibility. So you may prefer not to share or or may make things more difficult going forward. So, but it isn't always simple to remove one spouse or the other from a mortgage. If you qualified for the loan together, your lender probably won't be willing to simply remove one party from the loan. Instead, you may have to refinance. That's one option. Sell your home. That's the second option. Or pay off the loan in order to make a clean break. So, you know, how to rebuild and establish your credit independently, right? If you established credit before you got married and maintained a solid credit history, then your score throughout your marriage, you may emerge with a good credit intact. But what if your credit was tied to your spouse? My, 
uh, your income, your assets. You know, you've got to rebuild. You've got to reestablish. Your credit can be a, a key challenge to, to after your do- divorce. So one of the things I recommend is that you start small and build. Improving your credit score takes time. You may have to start with a small credit limit or even a secure credit card. So you want to make sure you use your card for a few purchases. And remember, always pay your bills on time. So I say give yourself about six months. You should be able to approve uh, through maybe you have to get an unsecured card and, and maybe not. But you want to make sure that you're managing your card responsibly and trying it another uh, six months. Uh, if you don't have any credit, you might consider getting a co-signer uh, that can help you, maybe a family member. Uh, and as your credit improves, you know, you can refinance your own. Yes, nothing like having your own, right? And you can maintain a positive payment history. You know, your payment history is the single biggest difference factor in determining your credit score. You know, FICO tells us it accounts for 35% of your FICO score. And so even one late payment can set you back. So make sure that you are moving forward and taking advantage of all these wonderful things. So I want to say, you know, close all joint accounts to protect your credit during or after. Uh, If you have already made the decision to leave, you know, make sure you begin to separate those monies like right now. You know, uh, number two, obtain credit in your own name. It's so important. I've seen uh, this often in relationships, even in my own in the past where, you know, a spouse purchased a car for the other spouse. And now we know that that becomes marital property, but the other spouse was unable to finance the vehicle, vehicle because it was in another spouse's name. And so you need to really think seriously about building your credit so that you can be stable. Uh, also understand uh, that you have the responsibility uh, to make this happen. No one can do what you can do for yourself. And, you know, it does sadden me that to see couples, um, let alone deal with a divorce, but then have to walk away uh, with no network and no assets. Yes. So, you know, you want to make sure you open up your own checking account. Uh, I've seen many people not have that, but you want to start reestablishing your own credit and your account as soon as possible. And remember, when you get that credit card, make sure you get that credit card in your own name. And if you have some online accounts, you may want to go now and start changing your password on those online accounts and make sure uh, that your information is being updated. You know, this is so important because many couples have unfortunately ruined the other partner. And I certainly uh, would like for you to make preparation for that and not, you know, be seen in, in a situation as it is today. So remember, your credit report doesn't show your marital status. So a divorce won't appear anywhere in your credit history. It's also not a factor that affects your credit score, but that doesn't mean a divorce can't impact your credit directly uh, if someone falls behind in payments. So just let me break that down. If you're married right now and you and your spouse have a house together, I can't impress on you anymore than financing a mortgage is in your name. Next, you got divorced. You did a quick claim. You signed a release paper, but the mortgage company does not care about the divorce. They care about the re- the originality of the mortgage and whose name it is. So you want to watch now. You know, unless you pay out the spouse, you refinance it, or you sell the house, it is going to impact your credit directly. So you want to get in a position, and it is a reposition. So now that you can focus on building your network and rebuilding your wealth measures your wealth by subtracting your liabilities 
from your assets, right? And so I want you to develop a mindset, reducing your liabilities, because you want to continue to build your net worth. Listen, my book is out now today, uh, Credit Champion. You can go to Amazon.com. We want to help you to leverage. Yes, we want you to get your buying power back. And family, you know what we really want to do? We want to change your mentality from surviving to thriving.